Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sarah Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sarah Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sarah Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Antonio Castaño. Antonio is a clinical psychologist and psychotherapist with a specialization in trauma. And he's also an accredited practitioner by the EMDR Europe Association. Antonio was a police officer for more than 18 years in an investigations unit and the founder member of the Portuguese Domestic Homicide Review Team. He's also the author and co-author of several studies and articles related to risk assessment and homicide in domestic violence. So I am super excited to welcome Antonio Castaño to the show. Welcome, Antonio. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for uh, your uh, invitation. It's uh, a huge responsibility to be here, and I, I'm happy to, to deliver something that can be useful for your listeners. Oh, I'm speaking you. from Portugal, as you know, so uh, pardon me my bad English if something goes wrong, but I will try to do my best, okay? Well, your Portuguese, your English is a lot better than my Portuguese, so you're doing a great job. And thank you, because you are our first Portuguese guest, so it's exciting to have you on. Now, I invited you because I found you, and I, I love the work you do. And I think that it's important to shine a light on the fact that, you know, about domestic abuse, domestic violence, that it happens everywhere, not just here in the UK. You know, we've never talked about, you know, the situation in Portugal. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in Portugal right now and how you really got into, into working in this field. So um, I, I was a police officer for uh, more than 19 years, working in several fields, mostly related to, to crime, criminal investigation, all sorts of things, uh, drug abuse and uh, traffic and uh, burglaries and whatever, you mean, whatever. And um, domestic violence was... Uh, a secondary issue for me. And then I did a degree in, in, in psychology, in clinical psychology, and I, uh, I was connected and started working on issues related to children and youngsters. And uh, I did a graduation in um, trauma uh, issues related to, to EMDR. I don't know if you understand or if you know the, the, the psychotherapy. And um, uh, in 2011, I started working in domestic violence field in home affairs and Portuguese home affairs. And uh, uh, together with other partners, we developed a risk assessment tool. And uh, I was uh, connected with more with the homicides, uh, investigation related to risk assessment. And then I understood uh, doing that job that uh, there were mostly women that were asking for help for long periods of time to 
several uh, institutions, judiciary institutions, the courts, uh, police, and still got uh, murdered. And I was truly uh, impressed with that, that there was no learning uh, related to that. And then I started to, to question, why don't we learn from this? And I discovered that uh, the UK and uh, mostly the US was working on domestic homicide reviews. And um, I connected with uh, Professor Neil Websdale in the, the US and uh, with Frank Mullane in the UK. And then after with Jane Moncton Smith. And uh, since then we developed the domestic homicide reviews here. And uh, I'm a uh, psychotherapist and I work with children and uh, uh, adults. And I started to get interested in the the impact that those children and adults were suffering through uh, the, the cycle of life uh, with trauma related to domestic violence. And I do that in, um, in, at the office and I do investigation and training to police officers, magistrates, uh, judges, uh, uh, and several other partners, NGOs related to domestic violence here in Portugal. So that's my main work today. Wow. I mean, that's incredible work. And it's it's amazing that you've joined forces with the UK and, and the US as well. So yeah. I think that, that's great that everyone's working together to, to make a difference. And it is shocking, isn't it, that, that people ask for help and, it, and we're not, we don't seem to be learning from the lessons of the past and that's one of my big bugbears here is that we we don't seem to be you know making enough progress fast enough to help the people that are stuck in the system um when you say domestic violence are you referring to domestic abuse as a whole or more the the violence side of it because over i mean in the uk we we now sort of use domestic abuse as a term to cover violence, but also emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. What, what do you mean specifically by domestic violence? Uh, I feel that the, the words that you use in, in UK, it's more um, more happy to, to understand the full phenomenon. You know, domestic abuse, we hear, we, we, we talk about domestic violence, but it covers all that uh, uh, psychological, economical, um, you know, uh, sexual, uh, every kind, every type of violence that occurs in the, the household, you know. So uh, according to the, the Istanbul Convention, that's the, the term. And it's here we, we, we talk about domestic violence and gender violence. So that's the, the, the terms that we, we use more. But domestic abuse, I've, I understand it. And I think it's more understandable for the, the people, even here. Sometimes I, I, I tell that when we talk about violence, most of the people connect with physical violence immediately. So that's, exactly. uh, you know. Yes, and I think that was why there was the movement to, to change from calling it domestic violence to domestic abuse, because a lot of people weren't conscious or, or aware that they were victims of abuse. Um, because it, it was they weren't being hit. But then we have some pretty shocking statistics in the UK that 30% of domestic homicides 
over here um, happen within three months of separation from a controlling partner, um, even where there's been no violence before. Mm -hmm. Is, is mm -hmm. that similar to Portugal? Yeah, it's it's the same. It's the same here. So uh, from my work and the work that I have been reading and, and, and the the numbers are around 70% occurring in the first three months here in Portugal, the three months after the separation when it, the, when there is a um, escalation and separation and uh, coercive control and stalking. And there is a, a connection, a strong connection when we read, when we read the, the, the files uh, related to, to domestic homicide, that's the, the period of time that most of the, the cases occur. And uh, I would like to, 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 to bring up also that that you mentioned before, which is very important. When we talk to victims, and sometimes we ask, "Have you ever suffered domestic violence?" Some of them still answers that that no, he never uh, uh, assaulted me. He never hit me. So the connection it, we must um, make the, the 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 difference, you know. So. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it is important. Um, so what do you see as the biggest issues for victims of abuse at the moment? Is it the 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 system, the legal system? Is there is it you know reporting to the police? Where where are the biggest challenges that victims of abuse are facing? Here, uh, I think it's the 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 perception that they don't have uh, that the system cannot protect them. You know, uh, when we offer services to victims, some of them don't uh, feel that the, the protection is there and they don't accept. And with comas, they don't accept. And when uh, some professionals work with victims, they and deliver and they feel that they are not uh, really accepted, the, the, the services, Sometimes that uh, it's a issue that they, they don't understand why they don't, the victims don't accept under commas, in commas, between commas that, uh, because the, it's not understood as a, a way out of that, uh, of that relationship. So I think there's, we have to understand that, and, and mostly in Portugal, some of the victims or most of the victims they don't have uh, you know economic uh, uh, backgrounds to to be able to to change you know so there are the, the fear and all the stuff uh, related with uh, domestic abuse and you know the high risk cases sometimes uh, there are more than the, the answers that the, the system can can work on uh, the financial issues are uh, a strong uh, holdback, you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's the same here. If you don't have the money to get the right representation, I mean, even if you do, the family court system is woefully inadequate to help and protect victims of abuse. So, yeah, you know, there was a Safe Lives report recently that said that I think it was over 30% of victims of, of abuse felt re-traumatized by the family court system going through it, which I 
I know I see all the time. So it's it, it's very difficult. Do you think that increased training for professionals in the industry, like the legal legal uh, profession or maybe the police, do you think training is where the answer lies to improve improve the situation? Yeah, I think so. Uh, we, we, we do uh, need uh, trauma-informed services, you know. Uh, like uh, Anne-Marie Miller says, police don't need more training, but uh, different training. Uh, I agree with that fully. The system in general doesn't need more training, needs different training. The courts, the police, every uh, the health system, we understand that sometimes people don't do better because they are unsure what to do. They don't know what to do. They don't understand that the, the way they address victims or survivors or any other, or even perpetrators of domestic violence must be trauma informed. So different training, uh, trauma informed training because uh, I don't uh, share this with you, but uh, I um, here sometimes I, reper I, I, I support the psychological uh, uh, and trauma um, address to trauma support to victims, and I I am asked to go to court, and sometimes the the victim is near the perpetrator, you know, and and that's not, not a way to do it, and. Uh, most of the times that doesn't happen already, but still there are some issues that we have to, to challenge, you know. Yeah, I mean, I interviewed Dr. Jessica Taylor on uh, earlier on the podcast and we were talking about training and she was saying, you know, training isn't going to change some of the deep-seated beliefs that mm -hmm. some of these people have. So, you know, sending them on a couple of days of training is not going to change some of maybe the more sort of deep-seated, deep-rooted biases that obviously do exist for some in the system. Um, but obviously, you know, it's a good place to start, I guess, for those that are just unaware and would take that on to just to open up their minds to that information. Oh, uh, yes, but, but uh, we have to complementary uh, do other stuff like uh, at the school we have to to deliver to our children that uh, gender issues are important uh, we have to gender equality to deliver that in schools because that uh, Jessica Taylor told it's 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 true because we have the stereotypes and we have the myths and that doesn't go away sometimes with training and deep beliefs so we have to work uh, earlier uh, with our children because this is a general uh, generation transformation. So we have to do to do all that work, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Which is going to take time, isn't it? It's going to take time. We've got to start yeah. from start from kindergarten and work our way up. It's going to take time, but yeah. it's you know, it's, it, as I totally agree. Now we you touched on trauma there. You know, trauma quite often gets ignored, you know, I mean, it, it's quite often dismissed. It's not, I mean, in my opinion, it, you know, it's something that sometimes people don't even know that some of the symptoms they're experiencing is trauma because they may not even understand that they were in an abusive relationship. 
and that goes for the adult but but also the child as well why, why do you think that trauma is sort of dismissed still in society i think most of the people still don't understand which what trauma is course that's the, the starting point what is trauma when we when we talk about trauma most of the people understand that trauma is is uh, war related or uh, uh, sexual abuse or uh, a car accident or something but trauma is much more than that and uh, uh, domestic abuse trauma sometimes doesn't uh, because it's um, developmental and sometimes uh, when we go and we we say that children are resilient and they they adapt and uh, professional functional and they don't uh, sometimes they don't understand that the, the the trauma that they lived changed their lives and their options and uh, i usually tell this uh, this experience that i had with two men uh, around 50s and they they were uh, one was uh, an engineer another one was, was a, a professor and they told me to they went to therapy to to address depression and low self-esteem and they they told me that they never choose to be parents because they were really afraid that they were uh, they, they could be also uh, aggressors of their own childhood are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as The Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup take back your control and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one -one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. People that are adept, professionals with high, uh, good professions and uh, well differentiated in society, and this trauma that they lived in when they were child they changed all their their life you know they they chose not to be parents because they they thought that that they could carry a, a, a an evil uh, on their dna that can could be aggressors also so trauma it's sometimes it's those uh, subtle issues that people even the people that were facing the, the experience don't don't understand that and we have to 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 go out and spread the word that we can do better if we act earlier and uh, in the uk there there's a, a reference uh, surely that you know operation encompass is doing a, a wonderful job on that uh, on that uh, subject uh, acting earlier on 
on child trauma uh, regarding domestic violence or domestic abuse, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so needed. It, I'm really interested because I know that you've studied and you, you ch children of abuse. Yeah, mm -hmm. often we've, well, there's a more information, I guess, on the impact of the victim of the abuse, the, the direct victim being the, the you know, the, the partner of the abuser. But obviously for the children growing up in that environment, that obviously is what you were talking there, you know, that that's had such a long lasting and also potentially devastating effect on them that they won't have their own families out of fear. You know, what do you see as the repercussions of children that grow up with an abusive parent? The studies uh, show that, um, that I usually, usually say that uh, we can act and, and there is no deterministic uh, kind of, of uh, trauma related to domestic violence. There are lots of people that uh, go through domestic violence or domestic abuse when they are children and they are completely functional. But I usually say this also, if they don't experience any uh, results or visible results of the domestic abuse. Oh, okay. So, so some children will come through and they'll be absolutely yeah, fine with no... Yeah, absolutely with fine with, without any uh, issues. But I, I usually say that if they didn't experience, for sure it will be better for them. So yeah. there, there are no visible signs, but there are most of the times there are uh, uh, signs of that. And there are options that it could be uh, related with uh, uh, domestic abuse experience in the future. It could be uh, uh, depression, low self-esteem, uh, abuse uh, of substances. It could be uh, bullying. It could be, you know, there there are a lot of uh, the studies say say what what could be the, the results of uh, domestic abuse and more, uh, I think, the adverse childhood experiences. And, but that, that there's a way out, you know, and uh, we have to spread the word that there's a way out that could not, that is not deterministic. We could act earlier, as soon as possible. And even if it's not as soon as possible, adults now can work on uh, the trauma that they they suffered from domestic abuse, and most of the the people that went or, or go through domestic abuse when they they are children, they can uh, overcome the trauma. You know, so yeah, I'm a big believer of that. Also, if they've got one stable parent who gives unconditional yeah. love and can show them. Yeah, the difference between right from wrong and, and is clear about, without bad mouthing, but clear on where the boundaries are, you know, that's not okay, this is okay, you know, setting that, that straight so the kid isn't confused about what is right and wrong, because in this household, this happens, but when I'm here, something else happens, so which is right, which is wrong, so I think it, I think, you know, very much if you have one stable, loving parent, sane, healthy parent, and I think that's, you know, that's, the, the, that's the main, the main issue that that's the, the, the fundamental uh, role that we, the, the children can recover from that. It's the, the, the stable parent, the, the caring parent, and we, if we don't have the domestic uh, 
you know, uh, terrorism or intimate partner terrorism, that even if there's a, a stable parent, but the other is stalking all the time and influencing the child. So uh, because domestic abuse is not always the, the same and, and the, the same seriousness, you know. Yeah. And I've noticed on your social media, you had a post talking about um, children of a narcissist, you, you, you said, are often pitted against each other. T tell me a little bit about that, how that dynamic works. The competition related with the competition. We have to overcome the others. We have to, we have to be better than the others and, and uh, starting to, to deliver that uh, competition inside the house. So your, your brother is better than you. You achieve better than him and promoting that, uh, that dispute and that competition, uh, it raises and raises the, the, the need to be, or to overcome the other, or to be, or uh, when you, of course, there is a personality issues that the, the other child can be depressed and cannot achieve and cannot and re withdraw from the, 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 the family, you know. So that's the main result that I sometimes uh, feel in my office. It's that the, I cannot deal with my brother. I'm away from my family. I hate my, my mother and father and, and, and brother. I have some kids that were humiliated. You are not so good as your brother. You are not so good as him. You don't do enough. You are you are lazy, and I have some people in my office, adults that they don't relate with family anymore because they are they they are too traumatized by their parents and, and even brothers, you know. I mean, it's it's so hard because growing up in that environment, you can't emotionally connect, I guess, because you're so much in competition. There's no time for that normal sibling bonding i guess as, as they're growing up yeah yeah that, that that one case that i'm remembering is that they are not the way that the, this uh, person sees is that the family they are adversaries and that had impact on their on his um connection with other people in work is always suspicious that someone is trying to harm him. People with that come to him or her, uh, they are interesting in, in doing something else. Then he doesn't deserve all that attention. He doesn't. Uh, he is not good enough. You know. So, uh, in the other way, the others that uh, grow up in in those disputes and, and competition. Uh, keep up with that uh, behavior you know it's always competition so we learn from our parents and our families of course there are no deterministic also in this okay there are people that go grow up on these house households and with these behaviors and are completely away from this and, and know that this is wrong and that this is uh, unhealthy yeah, I mean, I've seen, you know, there's 
three three ways that children can go i think if they've lived with an abusive parent and uh, one is to to be the abuser because they learn that that is you know the the best place to be they don't want to be the victim they see what happens to the victim uh the second one is to just walk on eggshells all the time and give in and and do whatever that that person says which means in later life they may attract those kind of partners or friends or people into their lives as a as a pattern because it's what they know as a child um and the third one which i think is in the minority but still happens is when the children go i i see that and i don't like it and i don't want anything to do with that and in my experience that comes from when there is a stable other parent who has managed that abuse and is dealing with it in a healthy way um to support the child is is that what you see in your in your research and studies yes yes it's 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 a lot like that but it 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 could be also not the other parent but a grandparent a grandmother uh, even uh, another adult in the household or uh, or elsewhere even sometimes yeah, a teacher that it's mm. connected and you know um yeah i i, I observe that in a, a lot in, in at the office most of the time you know dealing with uh, my patients uh, i feel that yeah. So to end on a bit of hope, Antonia, what can people do if they're listening now and they recognize that maybe their child has gone through that or maybe they've gone through those situations? What hope is there? What can people do to to move forward and and recover from that trauma? Um, I usually say that, are you suffering? Are you feeling that your child or you are experiencing suffering and even if you don't know where it comes from, try to find out. Try to find out which, where is your, your issues. Sometimes we have preferable issues, you know? Sometimes even the adults don't know what, why they are experiencing some issues. But if there is a disconnection, if there is suffering, I believe there is trauma there to be addressed. So there is hope, uh, of course, and uh, I, like I told you, uh, I do EMDR, brain spotting, and other uh, psychotherapeutic approaches, and we can address that, even if it's preverbal trauma. So uh, wow. doing nothing is, is not the answer, and we can be better and well healthy, you know, healthy. That's amazing. I mean, we've talked a little bit about EMDR. I'm, I'm a big fan. It definitely helped me with my PTSD um, and massively made a huge instant difference, actually. Um, talk to us a little bit about brain spotting you mentioned there, just for people that listening that don't know what that is. Okay, brain spotting is a, a, a psychotherapeutic uh, intervention uh, developed by Dr. David Grant from the US in the US and is uh, which it, uh, I believe it's it's all almost this uh, with the same approach of EMDR but without the high movements uh, we use uh, a, a pointer or focal points or gazing points where the information from trauma input it in the in the brain and uh, deep in the brain we can access 
through uh, uh, brain spotting, uh, connecting with the emotions and physical sensations and uh, beliefs. And uh, it's uh, a process of, of free association and it's a simple way to, 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 exp uh, to explain this, but it's, uh, I suggest that you go to David Grant and uh, brain spotting. Uh, there's a site, uh, a website from Dr. David Grant that uh, speaks about brain spotting, and it's uh, it makes a, a huge difference. Also, it's more free uh, than EMDR because EMDR has strip protocols. You know, we have protocol for for uh, uh, PTSD. We have uh, from recent events from. Uh, uh, brain spotting is more like free association and going deep to the brain and the body, you know, a body uh, brain uh, based approach also as EMDR, but different. And David Grandy is an EMDR practitioner also, and he discovered uh, brain spotting doing EMDR because when he was making the movements, in front of the eyes, as you know, uh, if you went through EMDR, you noticed that some people didn't follow the, the movements and remained stuck in one point. And the, okay, if the, the, the person stays stuck, there's something going there. I will try to, to understand that. And they remain there, in the stacking point, you know, so try to find out brain spotting also it's it's uh, it makes a, a big difference i use those uh, two magnificent tools and makes a huge difference yeah I strongly recommend if people are listening to this and thinking you know i need some help and you know do look up you know brain spotting and and emdr i'm a huge fan of that definitely worked for me okay well um where can we find more out about you where can people go to find you if they want to get more information i'm on twitter i'm on uh, linkedin and uh, mostly that uh, linkedin and twitter so sometimes i i'm more uh, you know i'm more there sometimes i <laughs> i disappear for <laughs> two or three <laughs> sometimes weeks. that's I'm healthy not... <laughs> yes yes because we are facing a huge uh, impact and uh, for me for my safety also i Sometimes I withdraw from social media, you know. Fair enough. Yes, I'm sure with your job, you, you experience all sorts. Okay, well, my final question for you that I ask all my guests is that my podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness. So I think it's really important to know what happiness is for you so that you can tap into it along the way, even when you are struggling with trauma and recovering from abuse. So, Antonio, what is happiness for you? Happiness, happiness for me is to understand when we can reach for help and have help available. If we can uh, reach for help and uh, understand when we need help, that's the way for happiness. And be connected, connected with people that do us good, you know. Well, thank you so much. I'm blown away by your English, which was phenomenal, by the way. Sorry, by the sorry for that. It's not too you're amazing. Good, <laughs> no, you were amazing, and thank you so much for sharing such such information. I know that will have inspired and helped many of my listeners today. So, thank you for being a fabulous guest.
Thank you, Sarah. It was an honor to be to be here. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. That's it for today's episode. For more information about Antonio Castaño, do head on over to Twitter. He's on Antonio Casta 706 or on Instagram, Antonio underscore Castaño underscore PSI. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness. Happiness.